Thank you, Andrew. <coughs> hey, girl. Got your egg? It's filled up. Oftentimes, the uh, uh, pastor's Easter message is like the longest message of the year. They're conveying so much information at one time, trying to get the, the, the whole truth clearly presented. And, and I think this might be one of my shortest of the year. We'll see, we'll see how excited I get by the end of this. But, uh, but in terms of the outline, it's very short and very simple. We're talking about a simple thing called resurrection joy. Over the past uh, weeks, we've been in the book of Acts. Uh, we've been in Acts since, I don't know, sometime in the fall. And we'll be in Acts uh, off and on for a, a great amount of time. Next week, we'll actually begin a, a jump off into the book of Galatians. We'll be, we'll be talking about Galatians because in the book of Acts, we just spent some time in Galatia. So we're now going to read the letter that is sent to the, uh, the region that we just uh, spoke about in the book of Acts. But today we're, we're just going to go through a review, really, of what we've spoken about in the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to see this simple fact that one thing that the church is marked clearly by is this truth, this resurrection joy. You could say that the church in Acts is marked by a number of things. Lots of things come to mind when you think of that question. What is the church in Acts marked by? You could say they're marked by persecution. You could say they're marked by powerful preaching. You can say they're marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit. You could say they're marked by the growth that they saw. Amazing numbers, thousands at a time coming to faith. You could say they're marked by the martyrdom of saints giving their lives. You could say that the book of Acts is marked by healings and signs and wonders. You could say that the book of Acts, the church in Acts, is marked by an incredible community with one another, a dependence upon each other. These are all things that we have seen over the past 14 chapters that the the, the church in Acts is marked by. They're marked by all these things. But as I was looking over the the chapters uh, this past week and and seeing what it was uh, that I saw most clearly the church marked by is this, the proclamation of Christ risen by God. So I want to share with you today what the church is marked by most clearly to me in this moment. And that's resurrection joy. Joy in the fact that Christ is risen. Joy in the fact that Christ has defeated the grave. Let me explain these two words, and that's really going to be the sermon. Resurrection joy, as we see it in the church in Acts. You see, the church in Acts is marked by the risen Christ. Each time we come upon a sermon or uh, a speech in the book of Acts, we see that the centerpiece of that speech is God raised Jesus from the dead. Let's just look at it. I mean, you could go chapter by chapter here. Chapter 2, Peter is preaching a sermon at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come down on the disciples. They're speaking in languages that they did not know prior to this day 
and they are communicating to individuals from various countries the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And this is what he says about the resurrection of Christ in Acts 2, verses 22 to 24. He says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And later he goes on to say, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. We see again in Acts chapter 3, Peter is being confronted because he has just healed a cripple who has been crippled since birth. And they're asking him, what power, by what power did you do these things? In Acts 3, we see him explaining to the crowd what has happened. He says this in Acts 3, verses 13 to 15. Note what he attributes this to. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are all witnesses. Again, in chapter 4, Peter and John are now before the council, defending their uh, faith before them. In chapter 4, we see this, uh, verses 8 and 10. Rulers of the people and elders... If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by what means this man was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. The risen Christ marks the church in Acts. We see it again in Acts 5. The apostles are now in prison and they're speaking again before the leaders. And it says this in verses 29 to 32 of chapter 5. We must obey God rather than men. They've just been told not to preach in the name of Jesus again. They've been threatened to their very lives by the leaders that they ought not preach the name of Jesus again. And they say this to him, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and as savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Later in chapter 10, we see the same thing. Peter now is at Cornelius's house and he's speaking to them about what has happened in Jerusalem and what is going forth in, uh, in the countries. Peter says this to them in Acts chapter 10, verses 38 to 43. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses, uh, we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who he had chosen, 
uh, chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commended us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. God raised him on the third day. Acts chapter 13, again, Paul and Barnabas now, they're out on their missionary journey. They're in Antioch of Pisidia. They're preaching the gospel in the countries that, uh, that God calls them to. It says this in chapter 13, verses 28 to 33. This is Paul now. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you good news. That what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. Without the resurrection of Christ, the church in Acts has no message. Many people in our, in our world look at Jesus and call him a teacher and call him a moral example, call him one to, one to follow as a, as a good teacher. But Jesus claims to be God. And as, as Andrew shared earlier during worship, he said that he, if you destroyed his temple, his body, that he would raise it up in three days. And what happened? He did. After three days in the tomb, Christ was raised. Over and over, this is the message that the church enacts is incredibly committed to. No matter the circumstance, no matter what people try and tell them to do, they're always going to preach Christ crucified and risen as Lord. The church in Acts is committed to preach the resurrection of Christ. Paul puts it this way, and we've looked at this passage before, but I want to remind you of how important it is the resurrection of Christ. He says in verses uh, 12 to 19 of 1 Corinthians 15 that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we ought to be pitied above all men. The resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of our ability to be restored to God the Father. If, if Christ did not raise from the dead, then death is still impending upon us. We are still caught in our sin. We have no hope for eternity. And someone like me who's preaching that in Jesus alone you can find salvation is to be pitied above all men because my message is without any worth if the resurrection is not true. I'm going about in vain if the resurrection is not true. For my single purpose in life is to proclaim this, that Christ is risen, that he is risen indeed. Paul says it this way, verses 12 to 19. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ. 
whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead cannot be raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still caught in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 19 is really powerful for America, I think, for American Christianity. There are millions, probably, upon millions, who believe that Christ is for this life only, that he provides no value for our eternal salvation, but that he is just a moral teacher, that he's just a good person to follow, that he's just another model of what it is to be a a religious person and to live a good life. But Paul says in chapter 15, verse 19, if Christ, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, during this 60 to 80 years of walking around on a blue ball, if that is all we have hope in with Christ, then we are to be pitied above all men because we're wasting our time. Thankfully, Paul doesn't leave us there, but he goes on proclaiming the truth. Verse 20 and following in in 1 Corinthians 15 says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ has been risen from the dead. And in him, we have hope for eternity. In him and in him alone. The church in Acts is committed to preaching the resurrection of Christ. So there's a second component to this, and that's joy. What we see with the disciples in Acts is that they preach the resurrection but they're continually joyful in circumstances that they should not be joyful in, in the natural. So we have to explain that. Why are these men and women roaming around uh, the, the countryside telling about Jesus, being persecuted from city to city, being, uh, being chased off at the edge of a sword, being placed in prison for the things they are saying? Why are they doing so? and doing so with joy? Why do they face such difficult turmoil in life and do so with unspeakable joy? It's because of the resurrection. You see, the implication of the resurrection of Christ is the opportunity to be saved by placing our faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. And the result of placing our faith in Jesus is the assurance of our salvation through the blood of Jesus. This is why, in spite of the the circumstances the church in Acts has faced, they faced every circumstance with joy. Again, so far in the book of Acts, we've seen uh, Peter and the apostles put in jail, flogged, uh, shipped out from their cities, 
chased off. We've seen uh, James and Stephen murdered for their faith. We've seen them pay the ultimate cost to proclaim this message that Christ is risen. But this is what it says of them over and over in the book of Acts and, and explicitly in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. It says this, Then they left the presence of the council. They had just uh, been released from the council. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name, for the name of Jesus. The church in Acts is marked by the resurrection, but they're also marked by joy. They're marked by resurrection joy. That joy is something greater than happiness. We, we think of those terms as close, but happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. Joy is something that you have despite the circumstances that you are faced with. Joy is seeing that you don't have enough and knowing that God is your provider. Joy is seeing that, that you have failed in the eyes of the world but know that God calls you his child. Joy is seeing no hope for the way forward in the circumstances before you, but knowing the circumstances of life are temporary, that your hope is eternal. Joy transcends the circumstances that we face in life. It is bigger than the difficulties we come against. Just as it was for the disciples in the book of Acts, as they faced imprisonment and flogging and, and uh, martyrship and being, uh, being chased off of their land, they faced such suffering with joy because they knew they were counted worthy to suffer as Christ had suffered. And they knew that because of the resurrection of Jesus, their hope was not in the things of this world that pass and fade away, but their hope was lasting. Their hope was in a God who had saved them and had transformed their lives from a briar to a cypress, from a thorn to a myrtle. The word of God had come forth in their lives and transform them into something beautiful, something that will last for eternity. The very presence of God had come down in them. The church in Acts is marked by resurrection joy. For someone who trusts in Jesus for eternal salvation, every difficult circumstance we face is an opportunity for resurrection joy to be victorious in our lives. challenge you this week if you don't believe that Christ was truly risen to examine the account if you believe the Bible is real then you have to deal with the fact that it testifies to a risen Lord Jesus a Christ who has 
claim to be the Son of God, a Christ that says He will make you His child. A Christ who has defeated sin and death by raising from the dead. In Jesus and in Jesus alone can we find eternal salvation, assurance of life with God. In Jesus alone can we have resurrection joy. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for Jesus. Without him, we are hopeless. Without him, we are stuck running the rat race of this world. Trying to catch up with those who have stuff around us. Trying to impress people that are next to us. But thanks be to God that you raised Christ Jesus from the dead. We don't have to worry about how we're perceived in the eyes of the world. We only have to be concerned with pleasing our Father in heaven, who sees fit to call us the very children of God. Because we have placed our faith in Christ Jesus, his Son. We have become his sons and daughters through Jesus. Lord, thank you that no matter the circumstances that we face in this life, whether financial or emotional or relational, whether physical or mental, anxieties, despair, loss, any circumstance we face in this life is an opportunity for our resurrection joy to be victorious in us. We have hope that is beyond the troubles of this world. We have hope in one who has conquered death who's been raised to life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.